tuned into the All My Friends podcast. If you haven't met before, hiya. I really hope you're keeping well. I'm your host, Liam Oliver, and my guest today is Sprecken Records boss man, DJ, producer, and booker, Chris Massey. Chris has DJed at Kiss Me Again, Supernature Disco, Homo Electric, and Beat Herder Festival, amongst many others. When he's not behind the booth, you'll find him either booking acts for The Refuge or The End of Year Riot, sleuthing out some new acts for paper recordings or building his own label Sprecken, which is what we're here to talk about today. Now, that introduction probably doesn't even scratch the surface of all the stuff Chris has done. So before I butcher it even more, I'm going to say hello. Welcome, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm, uh, yeah, okay, surfing the uh, COVID storm, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for coming on to chat today. I'm really excited about um, our conversation. We're going to have a catch up and really dive into the nitty gritty of label management. You know, the highs, the lows, pains and successes. But before we get into all that, let's talk a bit about your own journey and your own musical influences. Um, I gave you a quick introduction at the start of the show just then, but I really don't think I did you justice. So could you give me and the listeners a quick whistle-stop tour of your music career and pull out some highlights and some memories that you've like, really enjoyed from your like years producing, DJing and running a label? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I'd started off, I'd lived in Bolton. I was kind of born in Bolton and brought up in Bolton. Um, used to go out around and about town um there wasn't always such a, a kind of scene happening there but i think at the time that this bolton was one of them you know outside mill towns where there was a little bit of a scene and some quite good clubs um that would go to uh bar juice was one um we'd go and watch uh, danny whitehead who used to run a night there um that was like on a friday night and then it was on a saturday and then i kind of got into djing i'd, I'd always been buying records when i was at school just buying them because I like the music more than anything. Never really thought of it as to get into DJing, and then eventually gravitated to getting some decks and just looking about in the bedroom on them. Uh, played at a couple of friends' parties and stuff like that, um, and then entered into a DJ competition that was held at a bar in Bolton and and won that. And then with that came a residency at Revolution Bar. It was that was on a Monday night. Um, and then just kind of from there, just, yeah, just putting myself about, um, you know, I played a couple of clubs. So I got quite friendly with Danny Whitehead. He kind of gave me my first gigs in Manchester. And then me and my friend Tom started to DJ as Uber Chic, which was like a punky house mm-hmm. outfit that we did. Um, and we sort of played all over, you know, from everything from Sankey's to going over to Sri Lanka and Romania to, to DJ. Um and that was, we did that for quite a long time. I can't remember how long it was now, quite a while. But um, it just kind of naturally came came to its end, run its course. And I'd started to go back to college then um, to mm. study music and music, produ- proper music and music production it was. Um, and then from there, that kind of spiralled out and opened up other avenues and, and places that I could apply myself. I, I initially went back there wanting to do live sound for mm-hmm. uh, gigs. Um Again, never really that interested, certainly not in the record label, but I'm um, interested in producing my own music. And then, I don't know, something just clicked at some point, and it was like, yeah, kind of, this is what I really, really want to 
kind of progress into um part of the college course as well was a work experience module um and my tutor dave smith who used to i'm not sure what he's doing now dave but he used to be part of sparkle street which is mr scruff's management amongst quite a few other artists um I don't know if he's still involved with it. I mean, he was a great guy. I've not spoken to him, I've seen him for a long while, but um, he kind of really took a shine to me. Um, and he got me the position at Electrics, obviously we ran like the electric chair, which had finished to 2008. So I think this was maybe a year and a half, two years after the, the club night had finished. Um, and they'd done one year of the Electric Elephant Festival at Croatia. Um, mm. So yeah, started at Electrics just, um, half a day a week, a day a week, just, you know, free, free work, or, you know, just having my expenses covered and just learned so much there. And it, 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 that kind of felt like a next stage in, in what I was doing or what I wanted to do, I suppose, because up until that point, I've been pretty content with what I've been doing and thinking, um, yeah, you know, I'm just happy DJing or whatever, but I, I knew that there was a lot of other stuff that I could progress and other places that I could go to and people that I could meet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of kind of where I am now is really attributed to working for electrics and, and the, you know, the, the way that I got taught underneath um, Mogsy, who was the business manager there. Um, it was kind of me and him working in the office um, with like, occasional, you know, check-ins with Luke and Justin, who at the time was still DJing quite a lot as the Unabombers and going out mm-hmm. and about and kind of going overseas and doing festival work. Um but they were also in the process then of opening electric bar in Charlton. So the business itself was kind of evolving and shifting a little bit as well. But we were still quite heavily involved within clubs and club nights, um, which was great because I was then kind of able to focus energies on that. And part of that was uh, running the bookings for the Mint Lounge. That was kind of overseen by electrics. And that was a role that was kind of passed over to me in time. Um, and yeah, just sort of, you know, obviously I could just talk about, you know, then this happened and this and that. But, you know, a long story short is that I kind of just progressed my way through through electrics and, and you know, to where I am now of kind of the, the events manager for any events that we do, which which covers, you know, venues like The Refuge, Electric Bar, um, there's Volta in Didsbury. Uh, though not as many events at Volta because it's, it's a little bit more food-led, but we do, you know, occasionally have some stuff in there. Um and more recently, Freight Island, where I've sort of worked alongside Sophie B um, in terms of, you know, the programming and the entertainments there. Um, and yeah, in, in, in amongst all that, that's kind of always been the backbone, really, of electrics. But, you know, I started to work for Paper Recordings. Um, I mean, funnily, Pete from Paper Recordings was my music business tutor at college. And I was kind of always hounding him about getting involved on the label. And there just wasn't anything to do. And obviously, Paper Recordings is a very independent label. So there's not it's not like the, you know there's, there's well there's like me pete and ben who work on it mm-hmm. um and then eventually like a role came up there is neil diablo actually who i'd got really good friends with and i did a bit of work with him on his label but he'd been working for paper and he had to leave it to focus i think he was involved with 2022 opening at the time or around mm-hmm. about that time and he just kind of put me forward and obviously i'd already had extensive conversations with pete about being involved but so, yeah, they, they, they took me on there and I'm still kind of working there to this day, you know, doing like a day a week, um, you know, label managing, um, A&R in for there. And it's been great, you know, paper's been really good. Again, that just opened up another avenue and, and, and kind of like with electrics, really, it was almost like, um, well, not almost like it was, 
you know, getting involved with a pretty really well-established brand, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's quite easy really to overlook sometimes um, unless you were kind of like there at the time, just how big paper was in the nineties. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like kind of the house label to go to. And even now when you mention it to some people, you know, quite a lot of the younger crew are, are probably not too aware unless they're, you know, really into the house. Um, but yeah, it still strikes a massive chord. And even when we sign artists now that they're, they're kind of so buzzing to, to be on the label. Mm -hmm. So it's great that it's still got such legs and such appeal. And it's, you know, talent's been able to diversify as well in terms of um, the outputs that we've got. So it's, you know, we've got three offshoots of the label now. Um, and yeah, in amongst all that, probably about five and a half years ago, I'd started the Sprecken label. Um, I'd been working with Neil, like I said, on El Diablo's and Neil decided to kind of put everything to rest and just do a few sporadic parties and keep his um, rack and ruin edits label going. And he just sort of said, you should just start your own label if you want. And I was like, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> and yeah, just kind of went from there to be honest with you. And it's, um, it's been, it's been really exciting all along the way. You know, it seems like a bit of a naff word to explain it that, but, but it has, you know, even up until now, you know, the stuff that I've just been realizing this week and signing up for with the label and, and registering with and, and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's almost like it's taken form before I've realised, you know, you know like I've not realised kind of how it's been growing and progressing until you take a step back, you know. So, yeah, it's, 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 that's kind of it, I suppose, in a nutshell. And, and you know, still DJing in amongst all that and, and you know, playing some really great gigs and, and festivals that, as, as you mentioned before, Beat Heard in particular and Supernature being two standout ones. Mm -hmm. um, you know, We Out Here Festival, uh, was it last year? No, it wasn't, it wasn't on last year, was it 2019? Um, yeah, you know, regular appearances at the Refuge. So, yeah, you, you know, I, I, I'm, well, up until obviously COVID, very looking fortunate to make my living in music. But obviously last year that kind of um, put things into perspective a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of uh, threads I want to pull on here because you've, you've given me loads of great, <laughs> loads of great stuff to dive into. Uh, first off, let's have a shout out to Volta and 2022. I used to live in West Didsbury and Volta was a go-to. They do some great small plates. Uh, 2022 yeah. as well. Do you know what I saw? Must have been 2015, maybe even 2014. It? When you look back, like time's mad. But I saw Greg Wilson there. I think it was one of their birthdays. And it was yeah, like, I think I think that's when Neil was involved because it was it was Neil and Steve who used mm -hmm. to run El Diablos mm -hmm. with um Jamie Skyhill and Keith Griffiths from Punkademia, who mm -hmm. kind of was all um in that initial opening. Um mm -hmm. and I think they maybe had it for like a year or two or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so I, I seem to remember that they'd booked Greg. Um it might have been an El Diablos night that, you know, possibly. I can't, you know, I can't quite remember. We did a paper recordings party there actually. We Chris Duckenfield and um, Two Billion Beats, um, which was great. It was always quite a, it was a very cool space that, weren't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I remember going in quite a while later, um, well, sorry, later, quite a, a while, you know, a few years after when I had the changeover and, and the, the ping pong was the kind of real big focus of it. And it was very cool in there, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It almost felt like one of those pretty cool places that you might find in Prague or, you know, somewhere like that, where it's just, um, it's not really one of anything, you know, there's, there's a really good beer offering, bar offering, there's, um, 
the DJ who was on wasn't too clever actually on the night. Um, <laughs> just bit, well, just a bit Shots of that. Fired. Kind of, <laughs> it was just, no, it was. Do you know what? I shouldn't say that. it's really reason. It, it it was just that Northern Quarter hip hop thing that you went in every single bar, and it was mm-hmm. just like everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're doing a good job. You know, the dance floor was busy and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's probably just me being mm-hmm. a bit snobby. But everyone was just cool and hanging out, you know, playing ping pong. And I think they had a few pinball tables in there as well and stuff like that. So, yeah, props to them, really, for, for where they've got with it. I mean, I don't know how they've weathered through this COVID thing, but, um, yeah. Takeaway pints. That's what it is, takeaway pints. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you did mention, like, label managing. Uh, and I want to, we'll put a pin in that because we'll come to it later in the show because what is label managing? Mm. I'm sure you can fill us in on, like, what the day-to-day of a label manager is um yeah yeah one thing one thing i wanted to ask as well and just based on the bio you gave us there is um you know do you still consider yourself as a dj first then because obviously you came into that this musical career through djing or do you feel that you know you maybe hit a ceiling with what you could do in terms of being a dj or did that stop becoming the primary focus because all these new opportunities opened up before you um or was it more just like a happy accident that sort of morphed into what it is now? You know, do you sort of see the DJ in, and I'm going to use air quotes here, but like the young man's game before you maybe get into some more diversified things where you maybe think about running a label or what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose and it probably needs a bit of an update. Like my bio always says, I, you know, DJ, producer, remixer, you know, event coordinator kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, DJing is a skill that you can kind of always do, and it's like to be honest with you, I, I kind of feel the older that I've got, the the more knowledgeable I've got. Probably not like I would say the better because it's debatable what to, what makes kind of a great DJ. But mm-hmm. certainly, you know, skip back um, twenty years ago when it was all very, you know, what I would be playing would be like Sankey's tech house mm-hmm. um, kind of sound. Um, not to put that down in any way, not at all. You know, that that's kind of what it was very house and nothing else got a look in. Mm-hmm. Whereas I suppose <clears throat> if I look to how I would DJ now, um, I'll incorporate so many different sounds and styles into that set, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? With a common thread running all the way through it. And I think that can only really come with sort of, you know, age and, and, and maturity. Not always, you know what I mean? Because there's some incredible DJs out there who who I'm not just saying like, oh yeah, when you're young, you don't know what you're on about, far, far from it, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just for my own, for myself, that's certainly what I found, do you know what I mean? I, I, 20 years ago, I wouldn't be dropping uh, Afro jazz track into the, you know, on the back of a house track or anything like that, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I think, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent then. Yeah, I think- I, I Hey, hey that's DJ. what we want. Yeah, we want yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> I think it's still, yeah, it's still DJ, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, look, um, you, you know, I, I don't play at the Wearish Project or, or, or anything like that, do you know what mm. I mean? And, it, and it's like I'm not, um, it's not such a drive anymore. That's mm-hmm. just, not drive, I suppose, what's the right word to describe? It's not the be all and an end all. You know, I've kind of always believed, and even when I went back to college, do you know what I mean? Mm. That there's always got to be fail-safe options, do you know what I mean? That, that mm-hmm. what you can do. I mean, there used to be some really like, stupendously talented musicians on the um, college course that we were doing, it was kind of split into two. We were like the the techies doing like the studio and recording type stuff. And then there was the musicians as well. And we'd have sort of separate lessons, but then we'd share lessons as well. Mm-hmm. And um, there was something like ridiculously talented singers, guitarists and stuff like that. But their thing was 
that's all I'm going to be. Do you know what I mean? That that's it. And they sort of like dicked around and didn't sort of turn up for the other lessons that you would do. Mm-hmm. And then it's like when you finish college, you know, or when we finished college, and they're not in that bubble of oh yeah, it's Thursday night we're playing at the night and day cafe, and everyone from the college course goes down. It's mm-hmm. almost a bit like oh shit, what do we do? You know, a, a bit yeah. like I watched. I don't know if you're saying you're not really into films, but I watched um, this film Friday Night Lights. Friday Night, yeah, can I put it? Friday Night Lights recently. It's a pretty old film, but it's it's about this. It's a true story as well. It's all these American football players at this uh, college, um, this school, and I think it's like Iowa or something like that. I can't quite remember. Um, and I've seen it before because I'm, I'm not into sports, but I do quite like NFL to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen a few kind of like documentaries or films of it. And it's like you see kind of some of these um, football players who are just told from the get-go, yeah, you're going to play a ball, that's all you're going to do, you're going to be massive. So they just, you know, knob around and don't do anything else. But then, you know, they have one injury at school and that's there's absolutely no career, but then they can't fall back onto anything else because they've not concentrated on anything else. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, putting that analogy into what we're saying before, I think it's just always always good to have a lot of irons in the fire you know and that's why i know when it's like someone asks me what do i do and i'm just like you know god <laughs> what do i do I kind of um so and that's why i like sometimes we're focused on, sorry one of the dogs is just trying to come in here oh no, it's all right i can, I can grab the cat as well if you want like quick enough <laughs> you know yeah um yeah that's why i kind of keep myself busy with doing lots of other stuff because you don't mm. know when it's going to when it's going to end or where it will go you know mm-hmm. being a dj there's a, a there's always a generation thing coming through and the the thing is is that people and you know within the industry or whether you know whether it's press or promoters kind of always want to be ahead of the curve and getting the next big thing do you know what i mean so it's like mm-hmm. what happens then is it's someone who's kind of new and fresh almost as opposed to someone who's kind of got the experience and can really mm-hmm. you know, work it, you know what I mean? um yeah, so I just think it's it's good to just have those kind of other options going, you know, and it's, mm. it's um, you know, I mean, so I suppose, I suppose to sum it now, I'd maybe, I don't know, actually, I was going to say I'd maybe put myself as like an artistic director, because that's sort of what I do at the Carlton Club, which is a venue mm. I got involved with last year, which is incredible and really, really exciting. But then I suppose the the other thing is that I'm really kind of, found or finding my feet and finding my way and really enjoying the whole um actual producing mm. aspect and, and not in terms of just producing my own music but producing other artists and nurturing mm. emerging talent um which I'm kind of hoping to do a lot more with the label I'd started to do it last year with a few um artists on the label so um Kirby as a, a, a muddy feet persona um, did some engineering on some of her tracks and got them ready for release and the night giants as well mm-hmm. and did some stuff on there. I was obviously doing my own things as well um there's a couple of others that i'm working with rita as well who's who's a local producer mm-hmm. and that's kind of like a really exciting prospect because one you're kind of working with new talent coming through which is always exciting mm-hmm. um and you're just able to develop your own skills and your own knowledge whilst you know working on the job um and I mean, look, in an ideal world, I'd get them around to our house and in the studio and you'd be able to sit there and explain kind of what you've done, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't want to ghost produce people at all, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just quite nice to a mentor, I suppose, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been something that I'm really, really focusing on uh, going forward 
And, you know, with a view on that as to having Sprecken as a kind of bit of a, like, incubation station, you know what I mean? Not um, probably a bit bold to say, like, Motown. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just having it as this label where it's kind of known for having a sound, really, do you know what I mean? And I think um, that's kind of come around in the last 18 months, two years, definitely, where, as I mentioned before, because it's, it's quite... Um, scattergun on the um the the music policy um as in it reflects kind of my music taste and my you know when i dj and what i like is is a bit daunting at first because it's like are people going to get this because it's not a disco edits label or it's not a deep house label or it's not a techno label and i'm pretty influenced with stuff like um what's it called uh, compact uh you know that the german label mm-hmm. um michael may is kind of heavily involved with it and that, at first you think it's a techno level, but it's not, you know, they, they like releases that's ambient, there's even some disco stuff, some quite sort of trashy electro stuff and some, you know, it's kind of covers a lot of bases and, and that was really appealing to me, especially like I say, because I like to be very diverse when I DJ through the people who's influenced me along the way, such as Luke and Justin, the Unabombers, um, you know, Chris Duckenfield, um, you know, Neil Diablo especially, you know, that, that, that's kind of like what, what my influence has been. So... I think with Sprecken now, it's it's almost able to, it's it's it is recognised from people that it is quite a variety of music. I was, a, a, a mate of mine was chatting to actually Phil Rose, who does the A and R for Midnight Riot, uh, Jaeger Rosa, his his DJ name is producer name, and um, he was kind of summing up to me, and he was he man, he said you seem to be on a really roll at the minute with with that label, and he said it's he said what I really like about it, he said not everything comes through alike or it's not for me. Mm. Um, but it's, he said, it's always interesting. You know what I mean? He said, it's always good to get stuff through, you know, he said, and when someone does come through, that's on my palette kind of thing, it's like, you know, I can get a lot of players out of it and I really like it. And that's kind of what it is. You know what I mean? It, it's also like, it's not a case of putting something out that's too underground or too cool for school that people are scratching their heads with it. You know what I mean? But I, I kind of, I kind of think that, when you're into the same kind of stuff you can you know like you would be you know as i'd say like a like-minded soul so it's like we talked before about films and that you know and it's like i'd say to you well check this soundtrack for this i think you'd really like it and that so you, you kind of do you know what i mean you're both you're kind of all tuned in on the same wavelength so you know that if you put something out that might be like quite um i don't know ambient or a bit more chilled mm-hmm. it's almost like even people who are like buying and playing techno and stuff would like it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to go through like a bit of a quick fire as well. Um, yeah, sure. Just like a little quick fire round. Um, could you give us your top three sets you've ever played and like the top three artists you've booked? That could be anywhere. Um, you know, top three artists you booked could be just like who you really liked or the set they played on the night was amazing. Uh, and yeah, top three sets are pretty self-explanatory. The best three times you've had DJing out. Um, gosh, I think with the sets, really. Um, Homo Electric was good when myself and Gina played in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, it was at the time when, when Gina's EP had just dropped on the label. And, um, I mean, I'm good friends with Gina as well, you know, and I'd always wanted to get her on the label. Um, so it was great to get a release on it. It was such a really strong release. 
and we kind of did it and tied it in as like a little bit of a launch you know in like a bit of an mm-hmm. official unofficial way but I mean even Jean said it was kind of um you know a, a, a night that stood out for her because it, it was one of them where everyone that we knew with her do you know what I mean like all mates and stuff had come down for it and it was just it was really really good and it was it was me Gina and Michelle Minetti that played in the basement at Hidden Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good that was really really good and it was like I mean I tend to when I DJ actually even though I'm I, you know quite sporadic on, on what I play mm-hmm. I can I quite enjoy playing it pretty tough as well at times do you know what I mean so it was good to sort of put my spin on that and play down that basement so that was good um, Supernature Disco I mean honestly it's I think every single time I played there it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely that's my favourite place to play definitely and, and you know over time they've all become such really, really good friends of mine, do you know what I mean? Not, not just the DJs, but everyone who attends there and, you know, my work of what, of what I do at the Carlton Club now, that's come about because my friends that are on the committee at the Carlton Club, I met them through going to Supernature and, and then just chatting to them afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard, Richie V, who's one of the um, promoters and DJs, he now works on Sprecken, um, helping out with stuff. So, And there's just a, there's something a bit, a special kind of synergy there when, when you play that, Everybody is really, really tuned in. Do you know what I mean? It, it's like, it, you know, it literally is the only break is when people go for a cigarette and then they're rushing kind of back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the birthday that I played, um, or one of the birthdays. I play that's the thing. Every time I play, it's always on the birthday, it's become a bit of a tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember playing, I think it's like a Kerry Chandler edit of mighty real by uh sylvester and it um it kind of just builds with that dig, 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 you know just builds with that for ages so you kind of know what it is but then when it breaks down it's just like the pitch really sparse it's like the piano chords and just the vocal comes in and there's a video of it knocking around actually online and it's like literally everyone just like praying at a church and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that was really good me and paulette played there back to back that was great i mean paulette's a friend as well and we always have a really good mm-hmm. crack um so that was good I always like playing with Paula as well because we sort of like we've, we've played a couple of times, and <clears throat> she's like you play really good house stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, and kind of you know tech. I know tech house is a really dirty word. I, I can't. I don't quite understand why it is. You know what I mean? Um, but she's really good at mixing out quite driving house and tech stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I'll kind of match that with the stuff I've got. But then sometimes mine might be a bit more kind of. I don't know, say like mutant disco house, do you know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always been really enjoyable. I mean, we played at Kiss Me Again, you know, that, that's another one actually. That was like incredible. That was just like literally not debauchery, but in debauchery in the in the right kind of way. Um were you not at that actually? Did you not come down? Uh I, I may have. I've probably come down to quite a lot of them. I've probably seen you in quite a few places. I couldn't don't think I came to that kiss me again. I've seen you on that one. I mean, that was great. And I just remember like, because every, every, like, just everybody was in there. Do you know what I mean? And there was like no holds barred. And it, I just remember like <clears throat> me and Paulette chatting, uh, like DJing. And there was a group of like three lads just like, I was stood in, the, in a circle, just dancing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And see, so they were, like, there was like that many tops off. And it was like, you know, I think we were probably the only ones who had tops on. And then, it was like you'd sort of turn in and these three guys were in a circle, just like literally dancing and that. We're just like bollock naked except for like the socks and the trainers on, do you know what I mean? But no, I mean, to me, that, that's like the closest that you would get to like those kind of incredible parties that you would hear about, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, in New York back in the day and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it was like, it, it really was, you know, come as you are. It was, there was, you know, no one back in Ireland and that. So that was good because it had that sense of like what clubbing should be. Do you know what I mean? It was really mm-hmm. free. It was, you know, even though there were scenes like that going on, there wasn't bouncers, strong strong it in there or anything like that. You know, everyone was kind of behaving and that stuff. That was a real highlight. And they're great. They kiss me again, guys. They're, they're lovely, lovely guys. Um, yeah, that was that's three in it. You know, festival things that we've done with Sprek. Beat Herd is always just brilliant every time. You know, that's me and Gina that's done that together mm-hmm. last couple of years, two or three years maybe something like that. That's just yeah, that's insane. Do you know what I mean? That, that's just um, that's just brilliant because everyone's in there. It's one of the only sort of late stages that's open. It's mm-hmm. only small as well, but it's like everyone's just packed in there, and you can just no one's leaving. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you can just yeah, take yeah. it wherever you want, and everyone's sort of going to the spot. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what what was the other question? Three. The other one was like book. your three, your three um, like top bookings, uh, and interpret top booking however you want. Like, um, I would say, God, I don't probably like it would definitely be in no particular order, um, and there'll definitely be some that I remember after I've, after I've reeled some off. Um, Kath McDermott is always incredible. Um, who's like she's a really good friend but she's um she was like along with Paulette one of the f- original flesh DJs mm-hmm. um she now works like for um BBC for Six Music she's quite integral there um she was a, she might have been actually the full producer of it but there was that Roisin Murphy special that was on over Christmas and New Year she was kind of like really integral with pulling that together she's just brilliant do you know what I mean like when she played at Suffragette City in the basement, um, the refuge. That's that's an event that I, I kind of um, co-promote with Rena from the social service with Kath and Abigail Ward as well. It's it's just a big celebration of women in Manchester music. Um, you know, during International Women's Week. But yeah, Kath was just pulling out. She, I remember she was playing. I can't remember what the tune's called, but it, it's off the latest or the last LCD Sound System album, which I've got. But I've kind of got it on a CD and I never really listened to it in the car. And I would never have thought. Of playing it, do you know what I mean? And when I heard it coming in, I was like, "Shit, I've got this." What? I can't remember what it was. I said to Kath, and I was like, "God, she told me." I was like, "Yeah, of it is," but, but it absolutely went off. Do you know what I mean? And as I say, that that's the glory, really, with you know, booking a variety of people, um, especially people who really love music and aren't just on the, um, uh, you know, on the treadmill of kind of playing a million gigs a week. Is you know, really pulling out some interesting music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's brilliant. Casting is really, really incredible. Um, oh God, who else has there been this that's really blown me away? It sounds bad because the thing is, normally when it's an ev- <laughs> when it's an event that I've kind of involved with, it's like you see it from a different angle, you know. In a similar way to when you're working with people's music on the labels and that, it's almost like the whole thing's a product because it's part of work. Do you know what I mean? So you probably don't get to soak it in mm-hmm. and have that spiritual connection as much as what the people in the crowd or the ticket buyers. I've got, you know, it's almost a bit like sometimes you're like, right, brilliant, the last DJ is on, just going, sitting in the back room and just resting for a bit. <laughs> um, I mean, Electric Elephant was always good um, for just pulling out, um, you know, some really interesting characters. Obviously, there was, there was big names that we booked, if you kind of want to class them like that, but there was also a lot of people who would come to the festival Um people who'd been coming just for a holiday and then they get in contact afterwards and send us links. Um, one was a chap 
uh, DJ Cosmonaut, he was called. I can't, uh, Gregor, I think his, his, his uh, proper name was. And um, I can't remember where he was from now, but it was, um, oh, I kind of want to, I think it was Lithuania he was from, I think. And um, he just sent these mixes over and it was like, oh, we came last year, you know, I'd love to DJ. And uh, it was just incredible. You would put him on for like four hours, you know, 12 till four on the beach bar. And it was just like film soundtrack scores into classical music, into jazz, into, mm-hmm. he really got the vibe of it, you know, and he, he was incredible. He, he was brilliant. And that's the real kind of shitter about not doing that festival anymore is that there would be these characters and personalities that you would see once a year. Mm-hmm. And you just pick up where you left off, you know, and you'd literally, you would see them the year after, literally at the next, sorry, at the same position where you last saw them the previous year, do you know what I mean? Probably at the same time with the same kind of vibe going on and that. And um, he was kind of one of those um, guys. And he used to, him and his wife used to come with their dog because, and this is where my dog from the Ipswich is at Lithuania. It wasn't to get to Croatia. It wasn't too far for him to come. So they just used to drive, do you know what I mean? And just kind of like, they just stay for like the week. Um, his sets were always incredible. I think there's a few knocking around online, actually, and he was doing some kind of blog at some point, kind of posting up music and bits of stuff. But um, I think the last thing that I remember he did, there was like a, uh, him and his wife had done like a, a, a visitor's guide to where, where it was that, 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 that they live. Um, and it was all about, it was literally a map of all these incredible like woodland walks and through the hills and mountains. But like um, hotspots of where like mushrooms were growing, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was like fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, he yeah he, he would definitely be in a top three. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, mine's kind of racing now. Different people at different times, I suppose. Um, I mean, you know, whether whether all and whether whether all and Sean as Alphos was always kind of something pretty. Pretty special, especially, especially really because Andrew had been playing at the festival. Mm-hmm. I think he played on the first one, actually. Definitely, um, he was definitely like a bit of a, a resident, you know. And, and the thing with um, with Weatherall is that that kind of vibe is what he loved. You know, he wasn't kind of Ibiza and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, far from it. He, he, well, that's why he loved the Golden Lion so much, you know, and he'd go and DJ there, but he'd stay for a long weekend. And then on the Sunday, he'd just play like one of his music's not for everyone kind of sets and that um you know something that was a bit sort of quirky was his thing and he did some amazing sets there I mean it was a bit of a musical education really for me because again in those early days of electric early years I should say of electric elephant um my musical tastes are not what they were now so it was almost like a development stage really to see these DJs and get an idea of what you can play and it's and it's it perfectly suits the mood so it wasn't about banging out a lot of house music at four o'clock in the afternoon while, you, you know, at the beach bar. It's about playing the music that, that suited to that time. And I, I remember there was a set um, that Weatherall played and it was a beach bar set. And I remember Mogsy kind of like, I, like, you know, <clears throat> going mental about it. And at the time I kind of didn't really know who Weatherall was that much. I sort of knew the name and, you know, I knew that he was kind of like, you know, from that kind of acid house um, I said I see here and, and seen and stuff like that but um, it, it just you know him and other people that we were booking at the time they just weren't DJs that were on my radar you know so it was really good to see him playing this incredible set where he was just playing um, 
there's a really good edit or rework of a, a Springsteen track, I'm on Fire by Cousin Cole. Um, it's quite hard to get hold of now, actually. I mean, I managed to get a wab of it recently. I think it was, I think Bill Brewster gave it me actually direct from Cousin Cole because I wanted to play it in a set. That was the first time I'd heard that and it just suited the vibe perfectly. Do you know what I mean? But then later on that night, he'd be like paneling that on the main stage when he was doing like a more kind of banging set. Um, and I remember, I think it was like after the second or third year that that's when he'd started to do these Alpos parties with Sean. And I remember him saying to Moggs, oh, look, you know, me and this guy, Sean, have started to do this a love from outer space kind of thing that's really enjoyable. What about bringing that over? And so it kind of just, it stemmed from there, really, the whole um, Alpos thing in, in, in Croatia, um, you know, with Electric Elephant. And it was great to see that grow. And, you know, that just kind of spiralled into into... into as it's still existing now, kind of, you know, after his, his passing and that, you know, and it's, there's people that I'm now friends with through, through various means and, and through various people. And I've seen them all become friends with each other, just purely from all going to the Alphos nights, you know, so it's like this huge kind of like community driven events that um, just, just draws people together. It's pretty special, but yeah, their sets were always really good. Um, even up to when they would come and play the refuge, seen how they developed it because it was I remember that initially it was it was always very very slow and chuggy um maybe a bit blokey as well do you know what I mean I think I think Sean kind of won't mind me saying that um or it's certainly the blokes gravitated to it a lot I remember going to it in Leeds when Joe Morris put it on as a clandestino one and I, <laughs> I think I me and my wife Lisa I think Lisa was the only woman in there up until like about eight, half one in the morning or two in the morning. We turned around and said, oh, no, there's a female woman here now. Um, but you skip forward to where it is now and it's just this, it's it's equal panning, you know what I mean? It's it's like, a, it's, it's it's sort of enjoyed by everybody. But I think, I think whether I was always had that big appeal for, for the for the blokes as well. Yeah, I think that would probably be a three. There's, there's, like I said, there's lots more, you know what I mean? I could definitely rhyme off a, a, a ton more. <laughs> Yeah, but that's it. It's that's brilliant what you're saying about there's there's always that one point I think in every sort of DJ or anyone who just loves like dance music. You you see an artist or you hear a mix which completely sort of like re makes you reevaluate what you can actually do as a DJ. And I I, yeah. I I remember that really clearly. Again, for me again, it was it was it was Greg Wilson in the kitchen at Font when I worked as a chef there. And the head chef, okay. come on, and I was like, this, "This, I can do this. This is, you know, it doesn't just have to be, you know, big room bangers for Victoria Warehouse." I was like, "This is an absolute, like, absolute, like, revelation." I was like, "This is brilliant," and like, just being able to see someone like that, or like, or like Andrew Weatherhall, where you can be like, "I didn't realize that I can do this with music." It must have been like really, really cool. I think I think also as well, um, and I mean I'd, again, obviously you know you're, you're you know a bit younger than me, so I don't know kind of you know if because I certainly see how different it is now where there's people like I say say the age that you are where it's like it's very open to lots and lots of different music and mm. you know maybe it was just me or maybe you know growing up in Bolton and stuff like that, but it was like when I was younger, it was, it was almost music stuff was still a bit. Um, tribal in the way that you were into what you're into and nothing else really got a look in do you know what I mean certainly like with DJing and what music you bought and that you know I mean I was like trance was my thing I was like massively into trance mm -hmm. and 
that's all I would buy and listen to and go to cream and stuff like that. Um, and you know, just do fucking tons of ease. But it was, it was kind of like uh, there was some house stuff that I was buying, like some like early Bob Sinclair stuff, and, and obviously Daft Punk and Thomas Bangalter on the like the Roulet label. Um, but it, it really was only um, when I got older. I swear, in fact, no, do you know what? maybe it was when I when I, I was getting around like late twenties, early thirties. And especially, like I say, I've always got a credit electrics for this, of, of that thing where you can be, you can jump around the genres, do you know what I mean? And it, and it, it makes it more interesting, you know, I mean, we used to, um, we used to get, when we was doing Electric Elephant, and obviously agents would get in contact and it would be like, looking after such and such a DJ, uh, love to get them on at the festival, or even like DJs, or people that had had tracks out, and we would contact their agent and ask for like some mixes to listen to and and you know, no names mentioned or anything and it'd be like you and it's it is still the case no it really is you know you'd listen to the mixes and it would be like after 45 minutes it's still the same deep house kick hat snare kind of pattern that's going along do you know what i mean and it's like i don't even think that's a case of something where oh, you've got to be in a club and it's really dark and like off your head to listen to that it's like it's just fucking boring, do you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's no kind of like, there's no sort of progression in any kind of way. Um, there's no variety in it either, do you know what I mean? And I, I just think there's something, what, what I found w- w- was really interesting is that you can be playing a house track that's like 120 BPM to 124, 125. But the thing is, that's also the same BPM of a lot of like, so like Afro records, um, you know, techno records, um, you know, disco, you know, all these kind of, even like some stuff that's, when I say breakbeat, I, I, you know, not like a crafty cuts kind of thing. I just, I mean, stuff that's, you know, even like an old say electro breakdance tune. And the thing is, is that there's just like, there's a lot of variety of throwing that kind of thing into the middle of a set. Do you know what I mean? Because it will totally catch people off guard. It's like if you're playing something that's a real sort of like head down, you know, moody as shit, you know, techno-laced house track. But then on the back of that, you do just bang on like a Sylvester track or something that all of a sudden is like, you know, it's like it it perks you you up again. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I just think there's something really interesting in doing that. I I seen it the the first time that I saw it was when when I first started to work for Electrics. And there was, it was... It wasn't an electric chair. Well, I suppose it was an electric chair event, um, but it was electric chair saved my life. I think it was like an album launch because I seem to remember the album that they were doing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's the black one with the chair in different colours on. Yeah. It's like a mix a mix album that was coming out and they'd done a couple of parties in London, as I remember. But then they did one at the Roadhouse. I've not been working there that long. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come down. You know, so I went down with like Lisa and, and one or two of my mates. And it was really good. I, I can't honestly. I can't remember a lot of the music that was played in there. Um, but what I do remember is I remember Luke playing that Ashley Beadle edit or rework, whatever you want to call it, of uh, Kate Bush um, mm-hmm. running up that hill. And that was like for me, like Kate Bush was always massive when I was at home. Like my mum loved Kate Bush, and me and my brother really did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really weird hearing it in a club that was full of people. Well, normally my experience of being in somewhere like that with a club full of people is when it's like, you know, proper banging. And it's like, that's 
it's almost like, yeah, that's what stuff's got to be to make people lose the shit is like some big banging and, and breakdown and, you know, and stuff like that and hands in the air moment. But don't get me wrong, I still incorporate bits and stuff like that when I'm making music now, do you know what I mean? But it kind of also made me realise that when you're DJing, if you put a track like that on, that even without an Ashley Beadle edit, the, the original tune's amazing, do you know what I mean? And it's like, it'll just, it'll do something and it'll strike a chord with people that just playing a load of up-to-date, beatport top 10 house tracks won't do you know what i mean because mm. it's like you play it and, and again this you know still stemming from like stuff at electrics that's what i kind of really found at electric elephant is hearing loads of music there fleetwood mac i mean flip it out, they might, if, if psych magic got any kind of royalties from that rework they did of dreams by fleetwood mac i swear to god that first year that it came out like they'd have been fucking millionaires from the amount of DJs we played at Electric Elephant. Do you know what I mean? Because it was yeah. like, it was so huge. And it kind of, and that's a track that was like, it used to be on the, in the car all the time when we was going on holiday. And that's what made me realise at that festival is that there's all these kind of tunes that are like, you know, ones that you remember are older stuff that you can be dropping in amongst new stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, and again, this feeds into what with me setting Sprecken up, there's a kind of common theme that runs throughout them all. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. It's just kind of some person that I feel and, and what I see, do you know what I mean? It's almost like someone might send me something. Um, so I've got some tracks at the minute, actually, that I'm working on um, that are by Lena, Lena C, who she used to be part of uh, the Megusta crew, um, who do like in, incredible sort of nights where it might focus on Middle Eastern music or South African music. They're a real kind of like a great bunch, really good. And um, yeah, she used to be part of that crew and she's living in Hebden now. And she's a brilliant DJ. Her radio shows on Reform Radio are flipping incredible. Um, and she's DJed for me a few times and she's resident at Electric. But weirdly, we've never actually met. Just always chatted over email and phone and that. And I'd seen that she'd started to put quite recently that she was a producer. And I was, to, to me, it's like someone who's playing that kind of interesting music with that kind of knowledge must be making some really interesting music as well. Mm -hmm. And I'd hit her up and I said, oh, you know, are you making some music? I'd love to hear it. And she was like, yeah, but I've not really sent it to anyone and this and that. I was just going to put it on Bandcamp. And she sent me this stuff over and it was flipping brilliant. It was like really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a little bit, in fact, the, the main track doesn't really need a lot of stuff doing on it. You know what I mean? I, I just, I offered to do some work on the other stuff she sent me. It's just the arrangement of it all is fine and, and you know, the musicality, the musicology and stuff in there and the, the stems and samples she's used are brilliant. Just needs a bit of tidying up and just kind of a bit of, you know, sprinkling, magic dust sprinkling on it. Mm -hmm. But it's like what she sent me is, is really kind of quite unique to anything we've put on the label. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you, you probably would have played it at two o'clock in the morning in like a, you know, a manky basement anywhere, but you would play it on a boat party in Croatia or as the sunset's going down, do you know what I mean? And it would be like absolutely like amazing for that time. Do you know what I mean? So that's that kind of, and to me, that's kind of like the same as uh, the stuff that I got off Gina, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's quite it, Gina stuff. You would, you know, you play it at the right time. I suppose really it's that, it's that common thing of like, it's the right thing to play at the right time. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit more interesting than just putting out, a, a disco edit or a deep house track you know what I mean and, and that's that's not talking down to anyone who, who puts that music out not uh, the Midnight Riot guys are really good friends of mine you know what I mean and they they've sewn that up and do it really well mm -hmm. um 
I suppose I just quite like dipping into things, you know what I mean? And, and just trying stuff, you know, and it's obviously at first when we started the label, I had to be like pretty, couldn't be too scattergun with it. But I think over time that we've got the trust in that, you know what I mean? Um, we're able to do that a little bit more, you know. Richard was saying, actually, like I say, Rich from Supernature works on Eve, saying that he kind of sees Frecken as being this sort of label that he thinks about in the same way that he would always think of like warp recordings do you know what i mean um as in it's quite it's it's got something that at its heart is electronic music but it's kind of like quite different stuff as well you know not all of it you're going to play in a club you know some of it you might just listen to at home but it kind of all shares this kind of common thing and i don't quite know what that is to be honest with you it's like it's quite hard to bottle it and put a put something against it but um yeah i'm really i'm really really glad that you've actually brought it back to talking about Sprecken because we've been having such a great conversation we i don't think we've actually mentioned the label that much yet so i think we should actually get on to talking a bit about um label management and um talking about like how you know how to run a label and how you run Sprecken. Uh, i did have some questions lined up about you know why start a label um and how 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 do you go about starting that but i think we've already covered that just in the conversations we've had you know it seems to be a very yeah. process where you just feel it out as you go along um but one thing i did want to focus on and one thing i didn't want to ask you which we have touched on a bit already but i'm going to ask it again um is you know Speckens ethos and focus on like dance floor focused records but you know from any genre you know, I've seen a few of the labels take this approach and I, I imagine it's very liberating and fun not being tied to any one sound. Like, how has that mission or that mission statement helped you find, like, new music and artists? I mean, what I tend to do um, is if... Going back to what we were saying about with Lena before, you know, it's like you make that connection and it's like... It's, it's someone who's really cool. You know, it's obviously got a, an incredible record collection because I've heard the sets they've played. And then it's... You know, if they're producing, it's like, well, they must be producing something really interesting. So that's what would lead me down that path. Um, I certainly I like working with new people as well. Do you know what I mean? Because there's just a bit, I don't know, there's a lot more kind of interest and a lot more sort of sense of achievement than just trying to chase down um, big names. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite fortunate, you know, people that who are my friends. Are, um you know are, are, are quite known as DJs and, and, and working DJs or producers as well you know so there's always like quite a handy crew to call on to check music out um people whose opinions I trust do, do you know what I mean but also to get music off them but mm. it's certainly not driven where I have to be I have to be sort of like having music by the top 10 people that are you know top 10 resident advisor djs or you know dj mag djs and stuff like that mm -hmm. um obviously as i'm saying that scream did a remix of that see-through hands <laughs> release um that that kind of came through the band but it was great you know what i mean and i think obviously scream's got such an appeal that he's um you know the, the, this huge kind of name on the dubstep scene but obviously the more he's, he's kind of gravitated into house and disco and stuff now um and just a really really accomplished producer he's, he's done a remix for a certain ratio actually um as 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 i have myself for the new album that i think will be dropping at some point this year amongst um a lot of other really good names on the remix package um 
yeah i mean it 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 just it just gives you the 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 freedom to approach yeah i don't know i suppose how do I sign people? Yeah, do you know, it's just, it's just if it interests me, to be honest with you, and I know even where I'd said before about, you know, maybe not being, you know, disco edits driven or deep house driven, however you want to call it, um, is, you know, I put the really, the electric chair release out, which was disco edits and stuff with Bill Brewster's that was disco edits. Um, I mean, they were kind of like maybe a little bit of an exception because they were very different, um, different choice of source material, especially Bill's stuff. Obviously, Bill's just this huge encyclopedic knowledge of music that, um, you know, we could all only bloody ever dream of. But he'll just pull out tunes that are just so obscure, do you know what I mean, and does a rework of them that they kind of almost breathes fresh life into them, um, which I think is a lot more interesting than if someone just shoves another kick drum under like a bloody Shalimar track or a Sheik track, you know. That, that's the kind of thing that I do tend to stay away from um but yeah you know i don't i don't close the, the barriers on on anything do you know what i mean it's um there was a, a, a woman producer stephanie chu who'd sent me some tracks through um, that were really good i give her a bit of feedback actually she's not got back to me yet, so i hope i've not caused her any offense on that but <laughs> she also has this um production outfit that she does quite sort of chilled and not ambient as in like there's no beats in it, but she, she seems to be like an incredible piano player. And I was really open to get some of that stuff offered, you know what I mean? So mm. that just comes through for, it's like, you know, she was on Instagram, she looked really cool. She was doing a show for Melodic Distraction mm-hmm. um, uh, in Liverpool, who I, who I do a radio show for. So there's almost like a bit of, a, you know, anyone who's doing a show on Melodic Distraction is, is, seems to have really cool music selection. Um, so yeah, just check them out, you know, and that's and that's what I do, and it just seems to, and and that also then what what's quite interesting is that that is when you kind of find these producers who are maybe at a stage where the music's not quite at a level to be able to be produced, but mm-hmm. all the nuts and bolts are in there, and that's when it's like can kind of offer to work with them, do you know what I mean, and and offers Sprecken as a platform to release the music on as well, you know, so it, it sort of feeds into that a little way. Um, so <laughs> sounds a bit like I'm like grooming them, I suppose, doesn't it? But it's not quite as, as sinister as that, you know. I mean, yeah, just, I'm like, uh, you chose yeah. the word, not me, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but, nur- uh, I think nurturing talent is a great thing to do. Don't be ashamed by it. Yeah, like, uh, n- n- nurturing's a, yeah, grooming's a horrible word, isn't it? Um, but... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when I'm working, and certainly when I mean, I'm not doing as much work with electrics at the minute because the event stuff has all dried up. But I would be in the office on my own, and and I'd just have like, if I was scrolling through Facebook and something would come from my feed and it was a mix by somebody, then you, if it's someone I'd not heard of or someone that I was aware of or someone local, um, I'd check it out, you know, and it was really good. And then I just like look at them as, you know, potential to to DJ somewhere, you know. I mean, that's that's the the benefit of looking after various venues that need various music styles, do you know what I mean? It's like, if someone's just doing a complete banger set, then it's like, right, okay, well, they could maybe work for, like, the NDA Riot. If someone's playing, like, some really quite obscure, esoteric, Balearic stuff, well, that could really work for the refuge in the daytime, you know? If someone's just playing disco and and disco edits and kind of, like, quite familiar stuff, it's like, okay, well, that could work for Saturday night at the refuge, do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, 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 it's really interesting. I mean, that's how I came across the all hands on deck crew um because they were um 
always seemed to come up in my feed when they were doing a show for MCR Live. You know, the 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 station that ran for a, it finished a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were great, you know, and it was like kind of what they do and, and kind of having this platform and these workshops um, for this, de- uh, you know, demographic of like LGBTQ and, you know, non- non-binary is like a kind of place where they can teach DJing and, and within an environment and for people who might not feel too comfortable of being out in a club environment, you know what I mean? I think that's really great. So I thought that was brilliant. But I mean, the music they played was insane as well. It was really, really good. I'd just never been able to get them on at anything because... The shows they played, it was like just really, really good music, but it was really cool, you know, and it was yeah. like, it was, I'd always struggled to have got them on somewhere. I did want to get them on at this year's Suffragette City and we all signed off to get them on. Um, but they, they, they just weren't able to get back to me in time to confirm. Uh, they've actually emailed me back this morning, to be honest with you, on some stuff, which I need to shout them back on. Um, but yeah, that, that stuff like that is, is probably, if I have a process of finding stuff, that's sort of how... I would find them, you know, and that, that feeds into what I do with paper recordings as well. You know, it's obviously papers. Um, it's a bit more wider now in terms, cause we've got paper recordings, which is like the classic paper sound, but then we have paper disco, which is probably a bit more, it's not disco. It's probably a bit more dance floor aimed and friendly. And then paper wave is the newer one, which is definitely more on the sort of left to center um esoteric kind of sounds so there's quite a wide variety of options there to put people's music out on if and if and when you know it, it ticks a box and if it strikes a card and if they're interested in doing it as well you know that, that, that's, that's the other thing um and you know people send me stuff or people get in touch um a, a guy got in contact the other day from saint petersburg in Russia with some tracks that were really good um so I've signed those up mm-hmm. um I just I just want to support more females to be honest with you I just it's I always it's it's something I'm always mindful of no well not even mindful it's it's just a given that that my lineups that I book for anything is is diversity you know it's mm-hmm. it's a bit sad really sometimes when you still see lineups somewhere and it's just all blokes do you know what I mean mm-hmm. especially like with some of that younger um younger uh promoters I'm saying producers um that are putting events on that still just seems to be very sort of lad driven um you know there's a lot of really great female djs out there um that you know it just the the, the it's it's not even playing field yet it's kind of getting there do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it's still quite tough on the producer front and that's kind of why what i really want to do now is just any like again going back to lena you know something like that is just be able to support them and help them along that way do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um whilst being able to put amazing music out as well um so yeah that's kind of always a, a, a it's weird when we do anything like that I, I never want it to be like yeah i support women and women are you know it's like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you know um because th- it shouldn't be done that you're making a thing of it do you know what I mean yeah um yeah, yeah. when we did the Suffragette City event and I mean I'm the only lad who's involved with that and I remember kind of like saying to Kath McDermott and, and, and Abs and Rena, and I was like you know do we not have to be careful that we're shouting about this is women and, and they were like no no don't worry about it at all whatsoever so it was quite comforting for them to to hear that do, do you know what I mean um I just think yeah you don't want it splashed over a thing and it's like yeah all female DJ line, you know, just women and, and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but as I say, it's something that's kind of always at the forefront of my mind when I'm a and for Sprecken and for Paper as well. 
Um, and to be honest with you, I mean, one thing that I've always found going back to like all hands on deck crew, um, you know, certainly with Lena, um, you know, even like the meat free crew and stuff like that, is it's like, if you see like, I don't know, women DJs seem to just play a bit more interesting music. You know, if there's like a group of like five lad DJs, it's almost certain that four and a half of them might be playing like pretty tracky deep house, whereas it's like, I've seen to find really with um, the shows that I hear from, from uh, female pre uh, presenters just seem to play like really quite interesting and across the board music, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah. That might just be a coincidence, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, you've actually touched on a few things that I want to ask you about next, where I think this is the part of the show where we do get into the, the nitty gritty of running a label. Can you sort of give us like a bird's eye view of maybe what like a standard day looks like for you? You know, how do you divide up your day? Are you mainly scouring the web for artists? Are you pushing new releases to um places like mix mag um you know what are the key partnerships you've made that have made running a label easier and like how do you go about finding sourcing music signing it and then like distribution as well like you know if you could like condense that down into like a 10 minute whirlwind how would how would how do you even start um to be honest with you it's i mean it's it's pretty casual I mean, I tend to always try to be ahead of myself in terms of like bookings and schedules. So, so say for this year, there's there's three releases already in the schedule. One's dropping next week. Um, I've got a few others waiting around, but I just want to get a bit more diversity within the. So it's like I can, you know, the, the schedule for the rest of the year is a bit more diverse. I mean, ideally, probably the rest of this year is booked up, but you know, we'll squeeze a few more in. Um, and the thing is, once the once they're kind of uploaded to the software that I use for the people who do my um, distribution to other digital stores. Mm -hmm. It's just about building the momentum around that. You know what I mean? Um, obviously social media is a pain in the ass as it is. You've just got to keep kind of, you know, getting stuff out there and, and shouting about stuff and mentioning stuff and just not always obviously going in with the sales posts. Um, that's where it becomes a bit difficult really to keep up with doing that kind of thing um, try to be a bit more interesting with what we do so we do like Spotify lists um, uh, you know Spotify playlists there's the mixtape series as well um, you know one thing we've started concentrated on through last year um, which is kind of a, there's quite a few irons in the fire with it but they're all at various stages because of COVID is just collaborating with some other brands and other creatives as well mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing we're trying to do is uh, work with, um, it's like an artist and producers project where in a nutshell, it will be a selection of our, uh, producers um, via Sprecken who will be partnered with a visual artist each. So I think it's like six, so six producers teamed up with six visual artists, which will be done via an open call. So that could be visual artists of like photography, film, sculpture um you know painting you know kind of any installation any kind of way and the we want the to want want the want to open up a conversation between the two about what is electronic music to them and how does it sort of input not infiltrate how does it influence the um you know lifestyle or our creative thread or the sexuality or the social circles mm -hmm. and just a piece of music will be created through that conversation and then the visual artist will create a piece of visual art to kind of represent the music and the, the mindset as well. 
which I'm not saying is a bit highbrow, but we just thought it'd be really interesting. And Rich, who works on the label, he's he's an artist and he's got a gallery space in town. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would do that and we would, you know, bring in some workshops with it and an exhibition launch and performance evening and stuff like that. Um, we was going to do another one as well with a sustainable clothing uh, company that uh, a friend of mine runs um, that would see uh, four artists, four producers create a piece of music that would be basically kind of four genres. So there would be a Balearic section, it wouldn't be as naff as this, like a Balearic section, a disco section, a house music section, and a, a, I hate the term world music and global beats is even a bit more naff, but kind of on that Giles Peterson-esque Worldwide FM sort of sound. And then the sustainable clothing brand will, it will be a fashion show where the piece of music created will be played whilst there will be a fashion show of sustainable clothing to represent that kind of musical style, if that makes sense. So the Balearic one, it's not going to be like espadrilles and caftans, but do you know what I mean? It, it will kind of be sort of to represent the music style as well, whilst also creating awareness of um, sustainability and reducing the carbon footprint, you, you know, mm. through not using fast fashion and stuff like that. Um, and these are like really, these were all kind of ones that we wanted to get funding through and stuff like that, and arts council funding and stuff. But it's so difficult because they were very, or they would be quite event-led, certainly the fashion show one as well. And obviously we just we just don't know how and to what degree we can do that. So that's a bit of a sticker. Stickler. Um, also just looking to collaborate with other brands, a couple of um, local breweries speaking to about doing something to tie in with a release as well. Um, you know, and like branding up a beer or an existing beer and kind of doing it as a special, um, just a special run of it and stuff like that. Um, and so that, that's the kind of stuff that goes in, I wouldn't say a day-to-day basis. I mean, I don't certainly have, it's like right today, I'm just doing a label day. I mean, that probably should be to be honest with you, but at the minute there's just a few other things I'm doing, applying for Arts Council funding and bits of work here and there that just means can't really give it a solid kind of day, do you know what I mean, to catch up on stuff. Um, but it, it kind of almost doesn't need it as well. The sort of quite relaxed approach and casual approach it's, it, it works well with it at the moment, do you know what I mean? As, as I say, the, the kind of a and r of stuff and signing music, that's we're kind of quite ahead on that. Mm-hmm. And also what's quite good, I'd go back to the producer who got in contact from St. Petersburg, is people are getting in contact all the time, you know what I mean? So that's good that the label's got that momentum now, that people want to be on the label. Um, and, you know, some people get in touch and it's, it's stuff that's probably not right for the label. Um, but then some stuff comes in and it's really interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll kind of sign it off. Um, I've just recently t- taken on a, a girl, Ellie, who's run a couple of parties with a with her boyfriend, who's a DJ, um, and she's also uh, she's been studying, or she still is at uh, BIM, the music college in in Manchester, um, and she's shaping up to be really, really good so far. Um, you know, she's kind of really, oh, all those little, it, not they're not like the jobs where it's like, oh, I can't be asked to do that, get an intern into it, far from it. You know, it's those kind of jobs really where um, it's, it's almost like it kind of pays really someone youthful doing it, you know. So she's really looking into Spotify and how we can get playlisted more on Spotify and stuff like that, you know, because the label feels like it's a, a bit of a position at the minute where um, it's been doing well for what it's done, you know, and it's, 
kind of paying for itself and we can pay royalties out and stuff like that and it's not too bad but it's like now it's I feel like it's at a period it's like okay we really need to like how can we move this on you know what I mean so you know that a friend of mine who got in contact about doing you know trying to do some syncing for the label you know like syncing it for adverts and tv shows and films and stuff like that mm-hmm. um obviously like i say the thing that ellie's on board and what she's doing and ellie's kind of also been quite good so far with um you know being stuff on the social media and doing the kind of posts for us and, and just being able to get stuff up and, and it helps like I, said, I you know i mean i'm 40 and rich is kind of like 50 i think maybe like 51 52 mm-hmm. and ellie's like you know, 2021. So it's got to get on them TikToks, man. You got to well, get. Well, but no, but exactly. No, but do you know what? Exactly with stuff like that. And it's, <laughs> what's What's been really good is that it's not. You know, from the the Zoom meetings we've had with Ellie, and it's it's almost like, you know. So what would you do? What What's your interest? You know what? And she had like a load of questions that she wanted to ask. And you know, for me and Rich, it's like you know we do what what we do with the label, and it's like you know when we have a release out, we have a relationship with certain. Um, blog or music pages that would do a premiere of the track and maybe a bit of an interview and stuff like that and it works well you know we get some really good content of it to share online and stuff um but you know our thing is it's like we were kind of saying to ellie you know is is that do you think that's the best practice of what we're doing you know what what would you do what would you look to do and you know do we need to be doing stuff on tiktok and do we need to be doing this and doing that you know what i mean so it's quite interesting and it's good to get someone on who like I say, he's not only like youthful, but he's also, you know, run a couple of club nights that look to be really successful, but I think COVID's kind of put it on play. But he's also studying, I think it is like a music industry, music business or something at BIM as well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 that's kind of helping a lot as well. And it's freeing up my time to try and establish and, and kind of get this kind of thing of... Um, you know, having the label to, to be somewhere where we can, you know, the people that we do find is work with them and, and work with their music on as well. So it's kind of, it's a quite an interesting period at the minute. It's quite an interesting transition. Um, yeah, it's, it's very casual. It's got a very casual approach. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm, I, I like get a job list up and it's like, shit, I need to start doing <laughs> stuff like that. You know, and emails kind of pile up a little bit, but it's just like anything with work. You know what I mean? It's just, you just have to sort of like, um, uh, what you call it prioritize stuff you know so it's like like well well like i did a royalty run a royalty reports run the other day and it's like people have sent me their invoices to be paid so it's like right top of the list i've got to get you know i'll probably do that today or something like that yeah. so it's like got to get stuff like that done um yeah i, I, I mean working under mogs at electrics i can't really credit him enough with making me become organized with with you know doing that kind of prioritizing stuff and sometimes it gets the better of you do you know what i mean you just i could always say to me you've got to take a bit of a step back do you know what i mean take a few breaths and just be like right let's just look at this and just section it up and section it out and not do, uh, there's a term for it isn't it where it's like if your job list is kind of like all the boring stuff is what actually needs doing but the fun stuff is like that's what you just do because it's easier to do yeah it's yeah, you know yeah. about kind of not doing that about sort of like right you know this needs to be done so it's kind of like what we're doing today you know what i mean it's like right that needs to be done today because we've got to get it done you know i had to record a, a show for this uh sugi or sugi i think have to record it have uh, to record it you should want to do this what are you on about 
God, well, I say you put your to... foot in it now, man. I, no, I, uh, I, I had to record it because they need it for Monday or Tuesday because it's going to be broadcast soon. So I've been getting the music together for it. Sugi magazine, it's called. It's a French magazine. Um, and the concept of it was that focusing on Manchester artists and, and Manchester producers and people that we work with on Spreck and I want to work with and stuff like that. So it was really good putting it together. But it, I just thought, right, I've got to get this done now before weekend kicks in. And then I can just send it to him, and then that's fine for Monday. And then, mm. you know, I've got this Arthur Russell show to do for Reform Radio. I'm really excited about part of the LGBTQ month. Um, so I said, uh, they, they asking, you know, has anyone got any thoughts on what they want to do? So I was wanted to do it for on Arthur Russell. So that's the next thing that I've got to get done as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of answers, I suppose, done it in a in a, in a weird roundabout way. <laughs> um, yeah, there's what there's there's. Um... Two things I want to like, mention there, which is first, like Sprecken at the moment, from what you said, isn't even a full-time job, which is is amazing. Because if you look at the, the label from an outsider's point of view, you must think that this is like a massive team working on it. So it's quite it's quite interesting to hear from the inside that like it's still it's still something that you know maybe it's like a bit of a more than a passion project because obviously it generates you income and it's like it is a yeah, job yeah, yeah but it's just like you know i think people look at things like that and they 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 see like you know this this big established label uh yeah it's still like quite achievable for like people to do and it's still quite like approachable i feel the same thing about the blog all my friends at times as well like a lot of people from the outside have been like oh man this you know it's still just me at the moment really just yeah doing it. yeah um, yeah so it, 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 it's it's amazing how much you can do as one person if you're just like driven to do it yeah um, yeah of course, of course i think the the next thing i wanted to ask i want to tie these together as well you know you mentioned that you have like one year of releases all planned out for the year now so is that well is that normal practice for a label or are you super on it so you avoid stress and i'll add the next question on as well is what would you what would your advice be maybe for beginner label owners and producers who either want to set up a label or get featured on a label so you know what what are the sort of the do's and don'ts to like label management and getting signed so i think in terms of the signings i mean look when i started the label i wanted to just do five to six releases a year um, mm. i still do try to not do too many but it's like um just like good music comes through and it's like i suppose like now i'm not actively a and R and any stuff because as I say we've got the first three mm-hmm. um I've got two releases by a guy Delahaye um so that's like what that's like five already um as I say, I've got the release of Lena's there's this um, project I'm doing with Manchester International Festival that will be released on the label as well um so it's and then there's a couple of vinyl releases knocking around in that which will have digital releases as well mm-hmm. so it already starts to become quite hefty do you know what I mean so I'd probably be, but you see, that's the sad life. It's like we're in February now, and it's like if someone comes at me, um, like you know, like you said, you're working on tracks, and it's like if you sent me something over, and it's like, you know, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Then it's like you want to kind years, of years away from sending anything no, over to yeah, you. But, but, but the thing is, is but your thing is, you say that, and like I say, you know, like like you know, going, again, going back to Lena and and with Kirby as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like they've kind of sent stuff over that's just at like especially with Lena, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I've not really sent it to anyone and I'm just very quite new to it and that, but mm-hmm. it's all there, do you know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes you might hear something and it's like, all right, yeah, there's definitely something in this, do you know what I mean? And it, and it mm-hmm. can be worked with. So um, 
I always say to people, just keep me posted with, with what you're working on. I mean, some people sometimes are a bit opposed to having someone work on the stuff, which is understandable, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As I say, the last thing I would want to do would be to ghost produce anybody, um, just kind of help them in some kind of way, um, you, you know, along with that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, paper recordings, bloody hell. I mean, Ben's <laughs> he emailed the other day, Ben's who kind of, Ben and Peter kind of who own the label, Ben is uh, Flash Atkins, that is his producer name. And he was like, oh, I've done the schedule and like we're booked up until January next year. I mean, with that, there's three offshoots of it, of the label. Do you know what I mean? And that we've literally got a really like two releases a month, one at the beginning and one at the end. They'll be on different, you know, it might be paper wave at the beginning of the month, paper disco and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a little bit of that kind of with it, um, which is great. You know, that's sort of set. But then the shitter with that is that, like I say, if something else comes along that's bloody amazing, you're like, oh god how are we going to fit this in you know what i mean the other double-edged sword with that and it only happens every so often is you get artists who might be a bit pushy of wanting their music out you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like you know all that happens then is that you end up putting the release out and there's not a lot of breathing room for it you know because mm. it's you've got to be careful when you're posting stuff on social media because if I mean, you've seen the posts I do that, that, that we did. There's a certain language we use that's quite quite casual, quite... It's not boasty, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're certainly never like, yeah, we're the best bloody label in the world and we're this and we're that, but we might say this is an absolute, you know, slamming nosebleeder of a release or, or whatever. thing is, if you're doing that of a release and then the week after you do it on another release and then another release because you've just everything stacked up, people are just like... Shut up, you know what I mean? And it's like you, you need to kind of balance those kind of posts in between. You've literally hemorrhaged from the amount of yeah. leads you've given us. Like, <laughs> totally. yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's like, it's like the same thing. If you're always kind of posting on your own profiles or whatever, you know, it's just like, yeah, big things are coming. Watch this space. I mean, that's always the piss take kind of line, isn't it? Oh, Do you know what I mean? That's uh, that's one of my just had a really in- just had a really interesting meeting. Yeah. Some good things are in store, yeah. and it's just like. I mean, do you know what I said? I, I, I had a meeting at um, Shindigger Brewery the other day, mm. um, and it was really good. And like I said, hopefully it, it will be some sort of collab on, on, on a release and, and with a beer. Um, and he, he gave me like about six beers when I was there, which was really, George, he's called the, one of the lads, one of the founders, a really, really nice lad. And he, he, he said, because I, I gave him some records as well. And when I was there, he said, I want some beers. And I was like, oh, that's really nice here. But um I obviously wanted to post about the beers, you know, as like as a really not saying like, yeah, I got given all these, you know what I mean? Mm. But just because the, the cans look incredible anyway, you know, and just to do some support. And, and I kind of, I, I, I had to sort of say why I was at Shindigger in a way, do you know what I mean? And I kind of, I, I think I put, oh, just, just put it Shindigger for, for a, a cool meeting. Um, and I managed to pick up some beers whilst I was there. And as I was pointing out, I was like, God, it looks like I'm becoming like fucking dj facebook you know he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, big things yeah. in store kind of thing you know you know and it wasn't doing it as a like oh what you shouldn't go for you know it was just a case of like oh you know i've got these you know really which i didn't even say he gave them to me i did say you know put it across that i picked them up um <laughs> so yeah i think you've got to kind of counterbalance that as well um so yeah i think that's certainly the way I do it. Less is more, I think, mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't look... Basically, you can give each release room to breathe mm-hmm. and people don't get fatigue from it as well. You know, I think that's quite a, um, that's quite an interesting point. Um, what was the other point you, you, sorry, you asked on the back of that? So about? the flip side, obviously, like some advice for people starting right. a label and then some advice for 
let's say somebody wants to get signed by Sprecken or wants to release Pout and Sprecken, what, what's the best way to get in touch with Chris Massey, which isn't going to annoy you or piss you off or get ignored, essentially? How, how should somebody approach that? Let's boss Brecken and then, you know, maybe advice for reaching out to any label. Yeah, I, I think, um, like, none of it pisses me off when anyone gets in, in contact, you know what I mean? Even someone who would send something that is, like, a million miles away from what the label is, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you just have to, like, like kind of... Um, you just have to kind of, like, laugh at it a little. If someone sends you something that's, like, some absolute throbbing drum and bass track or it's, like, something that's, like bouncy house if that's even a thing anymore um you know it's just a case of like you know thanks for sending this over really appreciate it. it's probably not right for us but you know best of luck you've always got to appreciate the creativity and stuff do you know what i mean i think that that kind of stems with, with, with anything really um the, the only one thing that kind of it doesn't piss me off it, it's because i've done it myself and i think it's just a thing of being eager and sending it out is someone saying i've got this track it's a demo and they send you a wee transfer link of it do you know what i mean it's like just put it in a private SoundCloud link because um, you need to just, I mean, I'm sometimes like working, say if I'm working on paper recordings, a bit of an admin day or I'm having to like do various things. It's easy if some, say if you said to me, like, Chris, I've got four tracks here, demos, you know, I've listened to them. I can just click on that link and just have them playing in the background whilst I'm working, do you know what I mean? And then I can just keep replaying them, replaying them. Whereas it's like, if people are just sending you, you know, demos, um, on a wee transfer link, it's like you turn around and, you, and your flipping hard drives cracking under the strain of just having various w- wavs mm. with it. Do you know what I mean? And and it's like, and then you just end. Up, yeah, it, it's just that. That's the the one thing I would say is just um, is just that you send them on a private SoundCloud link. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's a look, there's a sense of like, you know, research the label that you're sending them to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as kind of because Sprecken is quite diverse, and then because as another option as well, there is also paper recordings. As I said, there's quite a few platforms there that stuff could be released on, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're going to send them to other labels and labels that you really like, I would really research the label on the catalogue itself to make sure that it kind of fits within there, do you know what I mean? I've sent stuff before, sent it quite a popular label, quite a popular personally runs and I won't say names or anything just a bit of a rude bastard really when <laughs> they got back to us do you know what I mean yeah um so it's like yeah I won't book you for any events Bing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black, no it's not blacklisted it's not, by Chris Massey absolutely a good <laughs> looking uh, in Manchester now eh <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, no it's not it's not as petty as that um but you know that can just be a response because ultimately they just might open their email inbox and they're getting sent that much fucking stuff that's just yeah. like totally irrelevant for the label do you know what I mean yeah um so it's it's understandable it's totally understandable um so yeah i think that that would be that would be one thing certainly research the label um and certainly um send it over as as an easy enough to listen to stream Mm -hmm. but also be prepared for like a bit of feedback on it as well do you know what i mean um I've certainly over time, lots of people I've worked with, I'm friends as well, you know what I mean? It's like you try to go back to them with a bit of critical feedback on something and it's because it's something they've created, they can't see outside of what they've created, do you know what I mean? And it's like you're sending it to people who are kind of, you know, a majority they're doing what they're doing because 
I suppose they sort of know what they're talking about a little bit as well. You're not always going to get it right, far from it, you know, but it's like, I've been sent stuff and there's stuff that still comes there and it's, it just kind of sounds too much, <clears throat> too much in, in like a demo mode, do you know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. like, I think, you know, you try to feed that back and people just are just, they're not open to that feedback at all, do you know what I mean? And that's fair enough, that's the, that's the prerogative really, you know, you just have to kind of say then, all right, well, best of luck with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, just, just taking a bit of critical feedback on the chin is always good. Um, and yeah, just being decent about it more than anything. And I think that stems really for reaching out to, like I say, other labels as well, not just not just with us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all them points, I would say. Amazing. Um, so I'm going to wrap up the podcast with another big question. Uh, and this one is to do with the dreaded lockdown ruin again and the and the pandemic. And it's something that we haven't we've managed to actually avoid talking for for quite a lot of the show, which I never want these just to turn into pandemic podcasts. So <laughs> um, credit to us for that. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, you're somebody who's very much at like the, the, the sharp end of like Manchester's music scene with all the booking stuff you do as well as the label side of things. So, you know, what are your predictions and plans for the rest of 2021? Are you quite optimistic at the moment about the uh, being able to get back to normal by the end of the year? Or are you still in sort of like emergency mode? Or are you still just completely up in the air? You know, what's what's your... Yeah, I think, I think really quite just a bit up in the air because you just, you just don't know what's going to get announced by the government. And I think until there's any kind of inkling as to what we're going to be able to do you can't you can't plan for anything um certainly you know i think i think some venues um have to just you know i suppose for islands a, a really good example of that um you know because it's, it's such a big entity is that and they're able to just you just keep doing it and, and kind of advertise something and, and if it gets cancelled or whatever you just kind of move it you know what I mean and it's like uh, something like that can't afford to just be like yeah do you know we'll just take our foot off the gas and just like lay dormant you know it, it can you know what I mean it's like such a, a big place as is you know places like Albert Schloss and, and stuff like that you, you know um, I think yeah I don't think we're going to I don't think we're going to be jumping around in sweaty basements and hugging each other anytime soon put it that way i hope we are but i really don't think we will be i think we'll be able, well i'm kind of hoping that we'll be able to have kind of tier two type restrictions when things open when we get to the summer which mm -hmm. will be sat socially distanced you know without that you know bloody essential food kind of thing that was so annoying last year mm -hmm. and also that like two households can mix or two to three households that's kind of what i hope for and i think that's because that then means that things will be able to happen at the refuge certainly at Frey island and certainly at the carlton club as well do you know what i mean and that will be um i mean not only will it be some paid work but it will also mean that we can start to do some kind of programming and, and um you know be creative again do you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah um so that's kind of what I'm hoping for, but I, yeah, it's anyone's guess, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It it, it really is. I tend to try to stay away from watching the news, but I just tip, dip in every so often, and it's just so depressing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. so tough one, tough to answer. Um, I'd love to get back to be able to doing 
kind of what we were, what, what we were doing. I mean, in a weird way, do you know, what? We were chatting, me and Richard were chatting about this and he kind of said it, Rich from Supernature and, and was freckin'. And he said, in a weird way, and I think Gina mentioned it as well, actually. Um, it's like almost kind of not missing going out clubbing. Do you know what I mean? Whether that's an age thing, I don't know, but definitely missing a social kind of relationship with people. Do you know? I mean, look, I, I wasn't going out every Friday and Saturday and going raving until like four in the morning and stuff like that. You know, obviously I was working on those events and DJing at those events. So I certainly miss that kind of thing. But I suppose like, you know, I've earned my stripes of clubbing quite a lot. I wasn't, and I've got two dogs now, so I can't always go out all the time. Um, you know, I certainly wasn't still in that place where I was going out all the time and, and, and raving and that, you know. Um, so, yeah, in, 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 in a weird kind of way, certain things I have. Well, I, do you know what? I say that, and then when we were able to actually do some social events last year, I was like, yeah, I am really, really missing this, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, DJing at Freight Island last year in summer was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Because it was... Have you been to it, actually? Have, have I was there been? one day when you were DJing, but All you, right. were, you looked quite into it, so it didn't bother you. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, I'll go catch Chris when he's finished. And you, you'd backdoor boogied before I got to say hi. Yeah. But my that's my thing. You can't really walk around and chat to people in there because you just, you know, yeah, really, no, we, we you, you weren't allowed, were you? So it was yeah. almost, you could sort of grab a couple of minutes, then you'd see the security coming over to you and you're like, right, I've got to go. And you start yeah. off and go but that was really good because um, it was just like booking the Beach Bar at Electric Elephant, Croatia, you know, and it was like one day I ended up playing, because um, we had to cancel some DJs and so on and stuff like that. And I ended up playing, having to do like six hours, um, and honestly, the thought of playing that six hours at a bar in town would fill me with dread. But there, it was yeah. incredible because just able to play. In fact, the mix of that is online, but I was just able to play like everything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it was a really, really enjoyable thing. So that was really nice. Do you know what I mean? And, and DJing at the Refuge on a Friday is always brilliant, playing similar kind of set. Mm-hmm. And then Supernature stuff, that's always amazing. And then, you know, there was all the potential stuff we could have done with Sprecken the See Through Hands release that we, we did, you know, I really wanted to do a, a live thing at the Carlton Club with See, you know, See Through Hands and Friends or something like that would have been, it had been a sellout and it would have been incredible. And also I think because of where the label has got to now where there's a few more um, signings on there that can do a live performance, mm-hmm. really, really wanted to start doing some stuff like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that's all on hold. So I'm hoping that we might be able to do stuff like that. But again, that's not stuff Personally, it wouldn't transpire well to a seated event. It does need to be stuff where you can kind of stand and enjoy it. I just, I don't know, September, October, maybe, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of the last one of the last live acts I saw was when you put on Night Giants in Yeah at Yes. All right, yeah, yeah, in the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? Yeah. Here's to hoping, yeah. and you know. The Tories have bundled every single thing they can when it comes yeah. to this pandemic, but we are getting vaccinated now. So hopefully we can get some sense of normality. And yeah. All we yeah. can do is hope, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's quite funny. Someone posted something the other day that was really funny and it was it was almost like a statistics thing. And I, I think it was about like with the, the borders being closed or um, it, was, it was something and it kind of said about New Zealand, you know, Mm-hmm. when it was closed and then how many sort of cases and deaths followed and it was like just this massive reduction in all these countries and then it was kind of got to like the UK it was just like you know UK 
currently talking about which hotels to allow people coming into the country to use for self-isolating and it's like mm. x amount of thousands of deaths you know and it's like yeah. that's the thing i mean i'm not sort of totally politics driven or following in that but it's just like i can't believe that the, the i can't believe they're getting it so wrong and i can't believe you know that we all talk amongst ourselves and it's like why don't they just do this and this and that's exactly what other countries are doing and, and cases fall. But then the UK just, I don't know what it is, whether it's this Boris Johnson popularity contest of um, just wanting to not be seen as being the evil leader who's, you know, he's the people's person and that, and he's not, he's a knob, you know, and it's like, it's just, yeah. Anyway, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, there is another podcast. Also, DJing in bars in town as well. You mentioned that is another podcast as well, which I need yeah. to speak to someone about that whole sort of bar vibe. And is it, you know, what's the DJ there for? We could get into all of that, but we've already been going for two hours. Yeah. So I think we will say goodbye here because it's been a really, really great show. And every yeah, fine, man. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Chris. And yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for asking me. It's been good. It's been good.